You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, and as always, coming at you from the backyard of Mickey Mouse himself. That's right, the great metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening to uh, today's episode of the podcast. This is episode 99. How exciting, 99. I'm going to answer a question that I've been asked uh, a bunch of times, actually, over the course of my ministry experience. It's typically asked in a variety of different ways, uh, and this time it was asked to me most recently uh, over lunch a few days ago, and the question is, uh, what's the bare minimum that I have to believe in order to be a, a real Christian? Uh, I was at lunch a few days ago with a friend of mine. He just kind of said to me, what's the bare minimum I got to believe uh, to be a Christian? And he kind of jokingly said, like, you know, C's get degrees, right? Like, like I, I don't want to get the A+. Plus. I just want to kind of barely slide into heaven. How do I get there? What's the, bit, the minimum I got to believe? I've been asked this question, uh, this same question many times over the last five to six years, typically worded differently from each person, uh, but but that's in essence what the person is saying, kind of what what's sort of the bare minimum, and I think a lot of times uh, this question has different motivations. In one case, I had a, I had a friend of mine um, who, who really wanted to be pro-gay, that was her words, and she came to me and said, well, you know, I kind of want to believe in this Jesus thing, but I'm not so sure I want to be against gay people. I don't want to be against homosexuality. Do it. Can I be a Christian but not think homosexuality is sinful? Um, and then another person, uh, you know, before that came to me and said, well, can I be a Christian but still be a Democrat? And then another person came to me and said, well, can I be a Christian and not believe, uh, you know, in, in the story of the flood? Like, do I have to believe in everything in the Old Testament or can I just believe that some of it is metaphoric? So I, I've been asked this question many different times in many different ways with many different motivations attached to it. And I think the overarching thought process in the minds of a lot of people is simply that there are elements that are attached to Christianity or stories in the Bible or beliefs that seemingly are wrapped up into modern evangelicalism that they don't know how to embrace or they don't feel comfortable with, but, but they're seemingly attracted to Jesus. Like, so the core of Christianity, Jesus, seemingly is attractive for some reason, but they don't necessarily want to embrace all the things that seemingly are attached to it. They want to know, is that okay? Or is it, or is it kind of a, a, a you know, a, a go big or a home philosophy? It's, do I have to bring everything and embrace everything? Or can I just, can I just take Jesus and leave the other stuff at the door? You know, I think there's a, a lot of different ways you can answer this question. And I think there's a lot of sort of related subtopics. Um, but, but for the, for the sake of, of brevity in this episode, I'm going to give sort of kind of a, just the simplest, minimalist answer uh, that really kind of just goes to the heart of the gospel. And then and then down the road in future episodes, I'll definitely deal with a lot of kind of the, the follow-up questions that come up from, from a topic like this. Well, let me take you to the scripture. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's two things there that the Apostle Paul points out. The first one is the willingness to declare that Jesus is Lord. Like Jesus is Lord is a big statement, right? You're saying that he is God. That he's the king. He is supreme. That he's not equal to all the other gods out there. Right? Any other religious ideology or belief that doesn't clearly put Jesus as the supreme being, 
We have to reject that. Like when you are willing to make a confession with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are in essence rejecting all other ways. You are basically with your mouth saying, Jesus is it. He's the supreme one. He's, in, he's the king. He's in control. Above him, there is none. Kind of like when you're playing poker and you go all in, right? You're saying, this is the hand that is that I'm going to put all my hope in. This is the one that's going to take me to the promise, promised land. I'm all in. Well, in essence, the, the confession that Jesus is looking for is the all-in confession. I'm all in on Jesus. You're the hope of glory. You're the one that's going to take me to the promised land. That's the confession that Paul is looking for there. Are you willing to declare that? The second thing that Paul mentions is the belief in your heart. Do you genuinely believe deep down inside of who you are, in your heart of hearts, do you genuinely believe and embrace that Jesus Christ physically rose from the dead? That's it. Those are the two things it takes. If you are willing to say, yep, I think that Jesus is number one, there's none above him, and I believe that he came to planet earth and he rose from the dead. If you believe those things, the Bible says that you are saved, that you are rescued from being on God's bad side and delivered to God's good side, that you were an enemy with God and now you're invited to have a friendship with God, that the the record has been wiped clean. You are fully justified, which means your sins have been erased and eradicated as if you never even sinned and you're invited to have a friendship with God. This is an incredible truth. There's no other elements related to that, right? There's not this long list of things you have to believe or this long list of things you have to embrace or this long list of things you have to do. None of that. It's confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. It's really that simple. Consider the conversation that Paul has with the with the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. Right After there's an earthquake, the jailer comes to Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? Paul's answer to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It, it's really that simple. The moment you believe, you are saved. That's what it takes. There's not this long list of stuff you have to do. There's not this long list of, of stuff you have to embrace. You believe in Jesus. Acknowledge that he truly is the only one. Acknowledge that he truly is God and and believe in him. Believe that he is who he says he was and believe that he raised from the dead. When that happens, you are forgiven and invited into the family of God. Now, once you truly are forgiven and brought into the family of God, there's another thing that takes place. The Holy Spirit comes and he floods your soul. He baptizes your spirit. He comes and lives inside of you. And God himself, through the form of the Holy Spirit, is living with you and in you, guiding you throughout the course of this life. And now what begins to happen is he begins to transform you. Sometimes the transformation is is radical and obvious and fast. There are areas of your life that will be transformed overnight. But in many cases, the transformation takes place in more subtle ways over the course of a longer period of time. We call this sanctification. It's a process by which God is transforming you to be more like Jesus. So listen, when you first come to faith in Christ, you may not believe everything about the Bible. You may not believe everything that's true. You may not understand everything that's true. You may not embrace everything that, that God would want you to embrace. You may have wrong opinions about certain things. But over the course of time, if your faith is genuine... And if the Holy Spirit is genuinely living inside of you, over the course of time, 
He will change your mind. You will find your opinion changing. You will find your desires changing. You will find your inclinations changing. Your likes and dislikes will begin to change. Your behaviors will begin to shift. The, the, the things that you want to embrace and want to reject will all change. Over the course of time, you will find that God changes you and that you may look back 5, 10, 20 years from now looking back on this on this time and say to yourself, wow, I didn't embrace those elements of Christianity at first, but looking back on it, now I've fully embrace them. Wow, what a work the Holy Spirit has done in me. Over the course of time, God changes our opinions. He changes our minds and our perspectives. God changes our desires, our inclinations, our our likes and our dislikes. I mean, many things about us shifts and changes and transforms over the course of time because God is molding us to be more like Jesus. Ultimately, the reason why God does this is so that we will live and love more in line with the way Jesus lived and loved when he was here on planet earth. I trust the power of the Holy Spirit. And if someone genuinely puts their faith and hope in Christ, then I believe the Holy Spirit is going to transform them. The Holy Spirit is going to point them the truth. It's going to change their mind. The Holy Spirit is going to convict them uh, in areas of their life where they're going to realize they need to kind of reevaluate or reexamine how they make decisions or how they approach different scenarios. I, I don't feel the need to kind of force every person to believe every single thing up front, right? I don't I don't think you need to believe and understand the Trinity immediately in order to be a, a quality Christian. I think we can deal with that over time down the road. I just mentioned the Trinity as one example, right? I think there are dozens and dozens of examples of areas of doctrine or areas of the Christian life where someone's not going to fully understand it. That's okay. You don't have to fully get it or fully embrace it immediately. First step is understanding who Jesus is confessing that he is Lord, believing that he rose from the dead and putting all your hope in him, going all in on Jesus. Like that's sort of step one. I trust the power of the Holy Spirit to kind of take care of the rest over the course of time. Now, I would give a quick warning to any person who is who is approaching putting their faith in Christ or maybe any Christian who's put their faith in Christ for quite some time. Maybe you haven't been growing in your faith. Like if you are resistant to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, resistant to what the Holy Spirit is teaching you and trying to guide you into, if you're not reading the Bible and really learning and growing on a regular basis, what will begin to happen is you will continually have wrong opinions and wrong perspectives and you won't ever shift or change or transform. And while your your faith may be real and you may end up going to heaven, that, that may that may be secure for you, that's fine. But what what will happen is you potentially will miss out on lots of great things that could happen in your life. If you don't understand certain things or don't don't embrace certain truths, it potentially could be detrimental to your friendship and relationship with God or with other people down the road. Things might not go well for you. There may be things that you miss out on or there may be elements to your relationship with God that are not nearly as dynamic or as vibrant as they could be if you were more open to the guiding and the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your life. Before we close this episode, I just want to quickly speak to anyone listening to this that maybe is not a Christian. Maybe you've considered it. Maybe you're inquiring about the gospel, uh, but maybe you're someone that hasn't quite yet put all your faith in Christ. Maybe you're not quite a genuine believer because you've been wrestling with all kinds of different things. Uh, you know, maybe but wherever you are, you haven't quite yet gone all in on Jesus just yet. I want to speak to you. I want to encourage you to really focus on this one fact. I answer this question. Is Jesus God? Did he really raise from the dead? Wrestle with that. Dialogue with people about that. Study that. 
Ask God. Pray to him. You can pray to God even if you're not a Christian. You can go say, God, if you really did raise from the dead, will you give me the supernatural ability to actually believe that? Will you give me the grace to actually embrace that as true? Deal with that truth. Wrestle with that. Because the reality is, without settling that one, all the other issues are really secondary. The Bible makes the promise Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That is the glorious promise of the New Testament. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Certainly a really important topic. So thank you guys for listening today. If you have a question or topic that you'd like to have me address on the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email. The best email address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. Hey.